Second Samuel chapter 24 verse 24 Aramaic Bible in plain English And David said to Aaron I buy from you for a price and I do not offer to Lord Jehovah my God a bond offering that is without cost And David bought the granary of the garden and oxen for 50 shekels Bible before breakfast Mildred King Sugungo here I'm always so fascinated by David. I can't get over how that guy just got God. He understood him. He loved him. He knew God. He, he, he just got it. So every time I read something about David, I tend to pay quite some attention to what he's doing or what he's saying. And so today, we're still talking about what is it costing you. And David is very clear that it has to cost you something for it to be worth it with God. It just has to cost you something. Now, you may not even understand what's going on here, so maybe I should take you back. And of course, you know, I'm going to take you back to reading it. And in fact, this story is so important that it has two accounts in two different parts of the Bible. And maybe because God wants us to pay attention. And so that's why it's mentioned in 2 Samuel and it's still mentioned in 1 Chronicles. And I read First Chronicles chapter 21. I read from verse 1. It's a long read, but it's so worth it. I really could just tell you the story, but I really need you to hear exactly what happened. And so I'm reading the message translation. And it says, Now Satan entered the scene and seduced David into taking a census of Israel. David gave orders to Joab and the army officers under him. Canvas all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and get a count of the population. I want to know the number. Joab resisted. May God multiply his people by hundreds. Don't they all belong to my master, the king? But why on earth would you do a thing like this? Why risk getting Israel into trouble with God? But David wouldn't take no for an answer. So Joab went off and did it. Canvassed the country and then came back to Jerusalem and reported the results of the census. There were 1.1 million fighting men of that total and judah accounted for 470,000. joab disgusted by the command in fact he turned his stomach protested by leaving levi and benjamin out of the census taken and god offended by the whole thing punished israel then david prayed i have seen badly in what i have done substituting statistics for trust Forgive my sin, I've been really stupid. And God answered by speaking to God, David's pastor. Go and give David this message. God's word. You have your choice of three punishments. Choose one and I'll do the rest. God delivered the message to David. Do you want three years of famine? Three months of running from your enemies while I chase you down? Or three days of the sword of God? An epidemic unleashed on the country by an angel of God? Think it over and make up your mind. What shall I tell the one who sent me? And David told God, they are all terrible, but I'd rather be punished by God whose mercy is great than fall into human hands. Hmm. So God unleashed an epidemic in Israel. 70,000 Israelites died. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem. But when he saw the destruction about to begin, he compassionately changed his mind and ordered the death angel, enough's enough, pull back. The angel of God had just reached the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. 
David looked up and saw the angel hovering between earth and sky, sword drawn, and about to strike Jerusalem. David and the elders bowed in prayer and covered themselves with rough burlap. David prayed, Please, I'm the one who sinned, I'm the one at fault, but these sheep, what did they do wrong? Punish me, not them. Me and my family, don't take it out on them. The angel of God ordered guards to tell David to go and build an altar to God on the threshing floor of Arauna, the Jebusite. And David did what God told him in obedience to God's command. Meanwhile, Arauna had quit threshing the wheat and was watching the angel. His four sons took cover and hid, and David came up to Arauna. When Arauna saw David, he left the threshing floor and bowed deeply before David, honoring the king. David said to Arauna, Give me the site of the threshing floor so that I can build an altar to God. Charge me the market price. We're going to put an end to this disaster. Oh, master, my king, said Arauna, just take it. Do whatever you want with it. Look, here's an ox for the burnt offering and threshing paddles for the fuel and wheat for the meal offering. It's all yours. David replied to Arauna, no, I'm buying it from you and at the full market price. I'm not going to offer God sacrifices that are no sacrifice. So David bought the place from Arana for 600 shekels of gold. He built an altar to God there and sacrificed whole burnt offerings and peace offerings. He called out to God and God answered by striking the altar of whole burnt offering with lightning. Then God told the angel to put his sword back into its scabbard. And that's the story of what happened when David saw that God answered him on the threshing floor of Arauna the Jebusite at the time he offered the sacrifice. Like I said before, it's a long read, but I really needed to understand what was going on here. Now, David had caused some trouble for Israel. He had gotten to the point where he began to move his confidence from God to the people. So he wanted to know how many fighting people he had. So he told Joab, the commander of his army to count the people and Job was like are you are you kidding me why do you even want to do this your trust should be in God God has always fought our battles for us and we've never lost any battle so why do you want to start doing something this stupid but David was the king so of course David insisted and Job even though was disgusted by the command he still did what his king wanted him to do he was still obedient but not fully obedient because he didn't count the Levites but he was still so upset by it and rightfully so, because even God was angry. The Amplified Classic tells us why God was angry. Verse 7 of chapter 21, 1 Chronicles says, And God was displeased with this, his reliance on human resources, and he smote Israel. God was displeased because he put his focus on people. In fact, the Amplified says, God was displeased with this act of arrogance and pride, and he struck Israel. First of all, it's important that you understand that your actions have consequences and sometimes they even affect people who are innocent. And David, even though he didn't think it was going to be this bad, his plan wasn't to intentionally put Israel in trouble, but he did. He did. He did something that affected everyone. And so God was really, really, really offended by it. I've always taken care of you. I've always fought your battles for you. How dare you now decide that you want to start to count the people? When has numbers ever mattered? But anyhow, that was that's conversation for another day. God told him what to do. 
he knew God was merciful and he chose God's punishment. And then at some point, God just said, you know what? I'm not going to kill these people for nothing. So you know what? Angel pull back, stop. Enough is enough. No more killing. But if you really want things to stop, I need him to, to build an altar and then make me a sacrifice. And the king went to Arna or Onan as some versions call him. And they got there. And Onan offered the king his land. And you see, the guy is a smart guy. He offered the king the land, offered the king what to use to build the altar, and then offered the king the sacrifice. He said, anything, I've given it to you. And that was a good point for David to say, you know what? This is answer to prayer. I'm the king and he has given it to me. What he has given to me is now mine and I can do it as I please. David said, never. In fact, let me read to you the... Um, Let me read to you the Aramic Bible in plain English of that same scripture. And King David said to Aaron, God forbid it to me. I've never said bad English, but it's so great. <laughs> See? God forbid it to me. Surely I shall buy it from you with silver and for a price. Not with promissory notes. Not with I'm the king I've spoken. He said, I will pay you your money in full. He said, I'm going to pay for it. He said, God forbid. You know when people say God forbid is when we see impending. The guy said, God forbid. This is never going to happen. He said, I'm going to pay you according to what is worthy. Because I will not take what is yours and offer it to the Lord Jehovah, a burnt offering without cost. He knew that he ha it had to take something from him. From him. There's something my husband always says. He says, if the offering, if you don't feel the offering leaving, then you won't feel the blessing when it's coming. Sometimes things need to, if it's loose change to you, then it will, you won't notice the blessing when it actually comes or the harvest. If the seed is small, the harvest is most likely going to be small. So David knew it had to be something that would touch him in a very deep place for it to touch God. And so he wasn't just going to, take something and then just give it to god and truth is most times we do that the things we call sacrifice are not even really sacrifices in fact the message translation says i'm not going to sacrifice something that is no sacrifice to god a lot of times people talk about how they give god their time my question is what were you going to do with the time anyway be on twitter on tiktok on instagram that's not much of a sacrifice if the time is not really something you would have used for something so productive anyway people talk about how oh they, they they gave their energy the energy that god gave you in the first place which you're probably going to just be lying down on your bed not doing something else that's not really sacrifice there's a difference between just serving and sacrifice sacrifice has to pain you like you literally have to sometimes have tears in your eyes you have to pay a strong price and david understood that he understood that it must cost him something and it must come at full price. Sometimes we make sacrifices with our family and friends. Sometimes it's with, you know, money. Sometimes it's even your reputation. But the truth is, if you're going to serve God, you must remember that it will cost you something. It's always a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is always painful because something has to die. Malachi 1 13 to 14 is very interesting. God was speaking here and God said, 
you also say, oh, what a nuisance. And you turn up your nose at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring offerings that are stolen, lame, or sick. And he says, should I accept this from your hands? Ask the Lord. He says, but cursed is the deceiver who has an acceptable meal in his flock and vows to give it, but sacrifices a defective animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God is saying, I see what you're doing. You're giving it to me, but it's not really sacrifice. And you're calling it your sacrificial seed or your, I'm making sacrifice with my time. Or I'm making, you're not doing anything. You're deceiving yourself. Because the Bible says God is not mocked. So ask yourself, is it really sacrifice? Is it really costing me something? If you're going to do something for God, it has to cost you something. It has to be worth it. For a long time, I was the kind of person that didn't really like to be noticed. I didn't really like people to talk about me. I didn't really like, to, I just always wanted to be a fly on the wall. Not noticed in a room, not known, not, nobody sees me. I just had that at the back of my mind. I didn't like people saying bad things about me. Um, I just wanted a simple private life. And But when God called me into ministry, he called me to be a voice against what was a louder voice at the time. And God would say, speak the truth, irrespective of who likes it or not. And so I would go on Instagram, for instance, and I would say something that was in the word and I would endure like two weeks of dragging. For those of you who don't know what dragging is, dragging, ask your Nigerian friends. So anyhow, I would endure two weeks of dragging on social media and people would say nasty things, say vile things and all sorts of things. And I remember one day the Holy Spirit said to me, you must be like Apostle Paul and be of no reputation. He got to a point where it didn't matter to him anymore what people said. He just had to live for an audience of one. Listen, for me, it's a huge sacrifice. For some other people, it may not be. But having people in your space, having people have an opinion over your life, I never wanted to be a public figure, never wanted people to know me. I just wanted to serve the Lord quietly and get into heaven and everybody's turning and going, wow, who be that girl? Wow, who is that? Wow, why does she have so many stars? Why does she have so many crowns? Who is she? Nobody knows her. That was my dream. God had other plans. It's costing me something. For some other people, it may be what they want, but that's not what I wanted, was a sacrifice. It's costing me my time with my children, costing me a private life. Can't walk down the streets without having to take pictures with people. And for some other people, that's nice, but for me, it's a sacrifice. So your sacrifice is personal to you. I don't know what it is, but it must cost you something. Don't give God something that doesn't cost you anything. I will leave you with this thought. Some years ago, about four years ago or thereabouts or three when just us girls was because when we were celebrating our 10th year anniversary and god asked us to change our name from just us girls niger to just us girls global i remember that year we wanted to really go extravagant on everything that we're going to do for God. We're going to go all out. And God just told me, I want my daughters to know my extravagant love for them. So I want gifts. I want you to, everything to just be beautiful. I want you to go all out. And we kept planning. And then the funds were not coming in as we wanted them to. But we knew God was going to pay his bills. And then there was one particular bill that needed to be paid and I had sold so much, but I had this money that kept somewhere. 
I had plans for it. I kept it somewhere. And I planned that I was going, and it was a lot of money. In fact, more than that, it was my life saving at the time, and I'd saved for years. So I'd kept it somewhere, and I just thought, this is my saving for a rainy day, or this is my, um, you know, just my treasure somewhere. Like nobody knew about it, kind of thing, you know. I had savings, but this was the savings of the savings. You know, that kind of money that if anything happens to you now, you have a backup plan. You know, your children can be taken care of. I, like I had that kind of money and it was good money. And so one of the days we were planning something and I was saying, oh, that's, that's a bit much. I'm not sure we can afford it right now. And to be honest, I had only a lot of money. And God said to me, you can afford it. I was like, oh no, just as God can afford it. We've paid all the bills and we've done this. And God said to me, you can afford it. I'm like, how, sir, how am I going to be afford He's like, what about that money? that is in so so and so bank i'm like sir <laughs> oh let's not do this uh that's life saving now it's not that this is not <laughs> oh god let's not do this like just as girls can afford it now we'll just believe god and it just seemed like for me i was expecting that god would send me that money but he had given me the money it was going to cost me a lot to release that money because that meant that i was going to be standing without anything under me that's how I felt. And so I actually said the words like, you're asking me to stand with nothing under me. Like, I don't have savings. I don't have a backup plan. And he said to me, I am your backup plan. And so I gave that money with a lot of tears in my eyes. I can't even say that I did it with all joy. You know, you know when they say you, God loves a cheerful giver. I don't think I was cheerful. I honestly don't think I was cheerful. But the truth is, that singular act changed everything in my relationship with god because i now realize that if it doesn't cost you anything if you're not willing to put everything in the assignment god has given you then why should other people why should god be that invested in you if you're not invested in your relationship with you covenant is both ways god loves you but do you love him good morning what a wonderful way to start your day bible before breakfast with mildred kingsley Conquer.